The date is Friday, April 23rd, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. This week, we're joined by a special guest and comedian, Scott Curtis, host of the Behind the Bits podcast, to discuss a very peculiar film, Blue Velvet, directed by David Lynch. We'll discuss what makes it so weird and some of the potential meanings behind the oddities as we take a deeper look into the dark film noir tale. So enjoy. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting episode of your favorite internet podcast. That's right, ladies and gents, it's Entertain This! Entertain This! As always, I am your intrepid host, I'm Alex. I'm Michael. And I am Nick. Welcome back, guys. Um, so I don't wanna Hi. I don't wanna be too crazy with the intro this time, but I do have something that I wanna talk about. But before all of that, this is our uh last episode of our four week usual rotation. There is a fifth week and we have something special planned for the uh the fifth Friday of the month, as as we always try to do. Uh, but this is our guest episode. It's the fourth Friday of the month, and we have a very special guest in the studio with us. So mm-hmm, we will be getting mm-hmm. to him. But first, boys. I have breaking news. Um, we've been breaking. following, yeah, we've been following the story of Lil Nas X. Oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. right, that's right, that's right. And uh, something new has broke. The story only gets deeper from here. Uh, to catch those of you up who don't already know about all of the Lil Nas X uh, situations that are going on, he released a song called Montero. Um, and with it, he also released a pair of limited edition sneakers. 666 of them were made, and they were called Satan Shoes. They were released through a brand called Mischief, uh, and they were sold for about a thousand bucks. But being that there were only 666, they were obviously going to resell for more. We're talking about this because it's entertainment based. It matched up with the mm-hmm. release of his new song. It was a great marketing ploy. Problem was, they used Nike Air Maxes from, I think they were uh, 99, 1999 Nike Air Max as their base for the Satan Shoes, and they advertised it as Nike Satan Shoes. Uh, Mischief mm-hmm. had had a tie-up with Nike already called uh, Jesus Shoes, which the soles were full of holy water. In this case, the soles were full of uh, replicated human blood with the promise that there mm-hmm. was one drop of human blood in every Satan shoe. Um <laughs> Crowds didn't like this. People didn't like that the Satan shoe existed. So they started to boycott Nike and they talked down to Nike and said, hey, Nike, this isn't cool. So Nike, um, trying to protect their brand name, sued Little Nas X and Mischief and basically were like, you're not allowed to send out the shoes. Last time I I picked up on that and I told you I did find some of the shoes for sale on the secondhand market, meaning some people who weren't supposed to get the shoes got the shoes. Um, and we were like, well, there's not much they can do about that. If they claim that they sent them out before the lawsuit told them they weren't allowed to, then the shoes are out there in the world and that's all there is to it. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that wasn't the end of the story. So the breaking okay. news to add to this, uh, this, this saga that we are facing, the Lil Nas X uh, Satan shoe saga. <laughs> uh, his song Montero uh, was taken off of all streaming services as of yesterday. You can no longer stream his song that released with the shoe. You can't stream it on YouTube. You can't stream it on Spotify. You can't stream it anywhere in almost any country. You are not able to stream it right now. Um, Why that is, I have no idea. 
I only found out because I follow him on Twitter because of this saga specifically. Um, and he was complaining <laughs> about it on Twitter. And people were like, ah, he's just messing with us because he was like, go stream the song now while you can because they're about to take it down everywhere. And everybody was like, oh, he's just trying to get more streams because he became the number one stream song in the world because of everything oh, that yeah. happened, which shows guerrilla marketing does work. Um, mm-hmm. it but do, it do. a little bit after that, the song was taken down and you can't stream it anywhere now. So he is no longer making money off of Montero okay. and you can't listen to it. Hmm. Okay. So, but I just double checked and on my Spotify, I can bring it up and I can play it. So you can play it as of right now, as of yesterday, as of right now, I you can. were not able to play it. So maybe, okay. maybe yesterday was the first day then. where I didn't actually use Spotify. It's breaking. <laughs> so. It's breaking news. Maybe they figured it out, but it was taken off of all streaming services as of yesterday. So where Is will the saga go song? Is it next? <laughs> it's so oh, it's a great bop. Song. <laughs> I'm not going to okay. lie. Yeah. It's right. a really great it's been song. My, like, it's been my go to like dead brain song. So it's like whenever my brain just doesn't feel like working, that's just what comes up. Interesting. So. That is uh, that is the saga continuing, and maybe next week we'll have more information on it. But for now, that's all I got. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll actually listen to the song. Who it's knows? it's been pretty nuts. <laughs> if you can, we'll have to find out and see. Um, there's one more thing that I want to go over before we get on to the actual physical episode that we're recording right now, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that is ding 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 ding. Entertain this has been nominated for an award. What? Whoa! Y'all hear about this? <laughs> Entertain this. You told me. Yeah. (laughs) Entertain this, who recently joined the Scene Snobs Network. Um, We have been recognized through an indie podcast award show called The Snobbies, which was run by the network that we signed to, though not exclusive to them. Um, And we have been nominated for four categories. We don't know at at this minute uh, when we're recording what those categories are, but they are to be announced physically tonight, not like Friday night when you're listening to this, but the night that we record it, they're going to do it tonight. So by tonight, we should know what we're actually nominated for under the categories, but they sent us this to show. So I'm going to show it uh, in the same way we showed Monster Hunter last week. So those of you who are enjoying the the strict audio version of the podcast, I, I'm sorry. Uh, you should come and check out our show on Friday nights. I can, I can describe <laughs> it for those who are audio. Here it is anyway. Yeah, it's a Woo! logo of like a microphone and it has snobby award nominee written That's on it. A nice serif font. Yeah, yeah. Nick, you have to write that up in the show notes so that way people who can't listen link the in the show notes <laughs> you, you were so loud that you made Michael's dogs bark just now that was incredible <laughs> my goodness so we're going to move forward with our show we're going to bring you what you're here to consume which is another uh, exciting episode and in, in an attempt to encapsulate all things entertainment I think of our show as kind of like a time capsule of entertainment something that someday mm-hmm. people will go back and listen to and um, figure some stuff out about what it was like to be entertained by what was going on in our lives at the time. Um, so before we jump into that, I want to introduce our guest this week. Um, a super awesome, super cool guy uh, had us on his show recently, the Behind mm-hmm. the Bits live show um, mm-hmm. that he does every Thursday. He welcomed us on. He is a comedian, and his name is Scott Curtis. Welcome to the show, Scott. Hey, welcome, hey. Scott. Hey. Hey. Uh, Listen to that. Where do quality. I get the Satan? The Satan where shoes? Where do I get the, <laughs> those Satan shoes? 
Uh, if you want them, you gotta find them on a secondary selling website, so like Mercari or eBay. Okay. But they're okay. I if I'll, I can look up the price right now, but the last time I checked, twenty thousand dollars was oh, that's easy. Oh yeah, yeah. you have that. Great. You have For that you. live show money. <laughs> that's the thing. See, we're pre-recorded, oh, yeah. so we're like on a whole different tax bracket <laughs> yeah. than you. But yep, but yep. you have that live money, that that live show money. Everything you said totally has not been on my radar at all. I have, I don't know who Lil Nas or Lil <laughs> Nas or whatever his name is. I don't know the song. Um, I've, I've got some Nike running shoes. That's, that's all. That's all. Well, I got. you have it's a good brand. You have a pretty, a pretty good connection there. Um, yeah, it's crazy what they're doing right now. Um, and it kind of goes into this weird concept of, yeah, I mean, this was your shoe, but we bought it from you and then we turned it into something else. So is it still your shoe? Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the fight, the fight that's being fought right now, which that's why we're following it. I mean, if you want to encapsulate all things entertainment, this is entertainment still. This is the music yeah. industry and what's going on in it. So we're I, I was entertained by your synopsis. Thank you. I, I'm I'm gonna look stuff up just because of <laughs> Yeah, it. you should for sure. And maybe even go buy yourself a pair of Satan shoes. Um yeah. but that's not important right now. We wanna we don't want to talk about Satan or his shoes. We want to talk about you, Scott. <laughs> tell us tell us more about you. Maybe tell us about your shoes. Are you Satan, first off? Uh, that's a good uh, question. Very, very close. Okay. Mm. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we're, we go to the same gym. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was Jim. So I I am uh, what I call myself a uh, the latest bloomer in the world. I started doing stand-up comedy when I was 52, and I'm going to turn 57 here in June, so I've been doing it for just under five years. And in the process of doing stand-up comedy as a hobby, I found out uh, I really liked it first off. And second off, I was kind of good at it. And I don't say that because I think I'm good at it. I say it because people told me I was good at it. So I got a little bit more serious about it right before the mm -hmm. pandemic and started traveling a little bit. And then the pandemic hit and I was uh, obviously kneecapped from performing. But... Uh, in the process, I was getting a podcast together that I wanted to be a very pure podcast about stand-up comedy because, as as you know, in entertainment, it, it's all an art. And oh, yeah. stand-up comedy is an art. And I think it's really the raw, rawest far, form of art because it's basically a person and a microphone. That's all you mm -hmm. really get. Sometimes you don't even get the microphone. I've done that before, too. So... It, <laughs> What I wanted to do is get all the knowledge I could from working stand-up com comedians, and I wanted to make sure that I was talking to comedians that were, um, first of all, the the old favorites, the people who've been around for years and years, people who are currently working, different levels of stardom. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to talk to people who are basically making all or most of their living uh, doing stand-up comedy. And basically I just ask for advice. I just say, you know, how do you write? How do you perform? You know, what works for you? And if, if you've listened to the podcast, you know, I kind of let it go where the guest takes me because 
each guest has their own passion. They have their own take on things. And if I get them in what they are interested in, then I don't have to talk very much. So yeah. um, that's that's basically what the podcast is about. It's I call it kind of a serious talk about stand-up comedy, and it's more of a purist comedy thing. There's not a lot of laughing going on. It's, it's mostly really serious talk because this is their way of making a living. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I get as much information as I can. It's amazing how different comics see comedy different. It's amazing the things that are similar between two comics that you would never think are anywhere close to the same. I've learned so much, and I've obviously made some really, really good friends and connections from it, too. Yeah. I, I love your concept of let the show go where the show's going to go, according to the guest. I think that's an award-winning yeah. uh, algorithm for for shows like what you're doing and what we're doing. Um, our algorithm's very similar. I think walking into this when we, well, not when we asked you to be a guest, but when you offered us uh, your 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 expertise <laughs> yeah. on, on your show. And if you guys haven't seen that yet, I uh, implore you to go to our YouTube channel and, and check out our, so much our episode on... Uh, mm-hmm the uh btb live show it was a whole lot of fun you can go watch it on our youtube channel but um where you offered to come on our show and talk to us about what we're going to be talking about today um but when we we asked you on our show uh one of the things i told you was like we're handing you the reins like you're leading us down this trail we're just following behind so that that is kind of our uh our go-to with guests as well is just to kind of let them uh go ahead and and do their thing and control our show for for that episode Yeah, and I, I do want to mention the BTB Internet talk show that you guys were guests on. So take everything the Behind the Bits podcast is about and throw it out the window and you get the BTB Internet talk show. I, I like to call it um, like the worst uh, talk show on earth. Uh, but basically, basically so what humble. I wanted to do... Yeah, I, I, I wanted to be I wanted an outlet to be silly, but I don't really like doing Zoom comedy. So yeah. I wanted to make up yeah. something that was still fun. Um, I could have people on. I knew I could have people on. I don't know. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to be a podcaster. You don't even have to be a comic. If you want to come on the show, just come on the show. And, and sometimes it really works. And Dean Martin has fun. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) sometimes it doesn't, but when you guys were on, it was like all the stars aligned and I had the best time ever. And I'm like, let's just do the show with these guys from now on. Obviously that can't happen. Um, And I thought, man, maybe this will mean I have two good ones in a row. And that did not happen. So, you know, it was you guys, not a very good one, an okay one, a really bad one, and then a really good one. So that's pretty much the way it's gone. Back on the up and up now. Yeah. We're, we're excited to have you on our show and that same chemistry be kicked up. Um, We're talking about something that, uh, so often on this show, we look for things that maybe we didn't know anything about going into um, mm-hmm. to kind of wade the waters of entertainment. And on your show, you introduced us to a thing that none of us were familiar with. And now we have all been tortured into watching. Um, <laughs> and torture it was, though, uh, informative and interesting. Um, and if you want to go ahead Just and introduce that, uh, be my guest. Yeah, how, how's you, before before I introduce it, how's your dreams been since then? Eventful. I didn't dream last night. <laughs> yeah, okay. Eventful. Yeah.
so the it's funny when you're on my show uh for some reason when you're talking about your podcast and how you you talk about pop culture and different movies mm-hmm. blue velvet just jumped in my head so blue velvet is a 1986 movie uh written and directed by david lynch mm-hmm. and it is um it, it, first of all, it was my first exposure to David Lynch. I didn't see Dune because uh, Dune came out in 84, mm-hmm. Blue Velvet 86. I didn't see Dune until a few years after when it was like on HBO or something. Right. But I saw um, Blue Velvet on video cassette, not in the in the theater. And I didn't know what I was getting into. And holy cow, is it a ride. It's, oh, yeah. It is so weird that, especially in the beginning. So let, let, let's talk about some people who are in this movie. Um, a, a very young Laura Dern was in this movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, she was 19 at the time. Kyle MacLachlan, um, one of his first roles was in this movie, uh, who later went on to play Agent Cooper in um, Twin Peaks, one yep. of my favorite shows ever. I think he also um, plays the mayor in Portlandia, which is a show I've been been watching recently. That's where okay. I saw so, him from before. So no seeing, way. seeing him super young, I was like, uh, <laughs> this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Mayor. Especially in some of the was, situations that he gets into, but we'll get into the plot, I'm sure. Yeah, he was kind of hot, wasn't he? Was he was kind of hot. Yeah, you're right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, uh, a, a young Brad Dorif, who's been in a lot of horror films. Uh, he was uh, the voice of no, he wasn't the voice of Chucky, was he? Was he? Um, it's me. He, the he the thing been. that I know him better from is uh, he was Wormtongue in the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. So, um, you know, he had a small part in that. Um, Isabella Rossellini, who's gone on to do a lot of other things, one of her first roles. And then uh, we can't forget good old Dennis Hopper. Oh, uh, <laughs> at his prime Dennis in Hopper this one. Dennis Frank. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is he was the third choice. Uh, of actors to play Frank. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there was one guy I don't know, and um, Harry Dean Stanton was the second one, and he didn't take it because it was too violent. And then um, Dennis Hopper read the script, and he said, I have to play this because this is me. And that was him <laughs> because he was a drug-crazed maniac at the time of shooting. So I don't think David you know, Lynch it, wanted him, though, from what from what I've heard doing my no, research. He, he absolutely didn't <laughs> yeah, want him. Did. Uh, and no, it was, he didn't. But Yeah, it was a thing of like, well, if he wants to do it, David, we should let him. And David's like, no, no, we don't. We don't need to let. No, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, <Yeah>. no, please. <laughs> uh, before we get too far in, I want to uh talk about this in the bubble of uh speaking to people who maybe haven't experienced blue velvet already i would of course encourage those people um to go ahead and pause the podcast it's a 3.99 rental go rent it watch Mm -hmm. it come back if if you want if you don't want to let's do a quick uh plot synopsis just so we don't lose anybody on character names or uh plots that we're talking about right um so the the movie is it's set like a forties noir type mm-hmm. film mm-hmm. and yet it's, it's partially modern day and partially uh, modern day for 1986 and partially in the seventies and even sixties. When you look at the vehicles and stuff, it's mm-hmm. all mixed up. It's a weird love child of Casablanca 
and the breakfast club if they were to have yeah. a baby yeah. movie yeah this is this yeah. is the atrocity that they would spit out <laughs> yes with a lot of full frontal nudity and murder yes. yeah it's it, yeah it's it, it's re- it's really weird but basically so Kyle McLaughlin's dad um Kyle is what's his name is he Jerry he's Jeffrey Jeffrey. Jeffrey, that's it. He's Jeffrey in this. Um, his dad looks like he has a stroke or something while he's watering the yard. Mm-hmm. It's not so clear to Jeffrey me, yeah. comes home from college and uh, he uh, meets Laura Dern. Mm-hmm. And then um, the detective's we daughter. See this little, yeah, we see this little scene of just beetles burrowing in, in the mm-hmm. earth. Yeah. Um, what the hell that is that about? For a, really, for a long period of time, it's this this beautiful shot by shot of this like neighborhood, like white picket yeah. fences, like yep. the yeah. firefighter driving by and waving. You're like, this is a beautiful suburban town. The picturesque, yeah. And like, yeah, exactly what you think of. Then it, it yeah. goes deep into the ground under the perfect green <laughs> grass and you just see bugs and bugs and yeah. bugs crawling all yep. over. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Like drones in the background, too. And yeah. 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 And, and it's at that moment you're like, oh, this is a David Lynch movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is gonna be fucked. Yeah. Okay, tell. this is gonna mess me up real bad, isn't it? <laughs> and the Beatles were kind of what hooked me. So then uh Jeffrey finds an ear, uh just basically a disembodied ear and the As one does. crawling all mm-hmm. over it. And he takes that it looks like to, rotting bread. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, it looks rough yeah. to Laura Dern's dad, mm-hmm. and they they do the thing and say, "Well, it looks like it was cut off with scissors," and but uh, they can't tell for sure if the person was dead when they cut it off or not. So then it just goes into this thing where Kyle McLaughlin wants to be a detective now and figure <laughs> out what's going on, and he happens upon Isabella Rossellini, mm-hmm. who. Um, is pretty much out of her mind because the ear belongs to her husband who was kidnapped and his her son is also kidnapped and she is uh really weird and not a very good singer uh, <laughs> yep. uh they they well. didn't uh they definitely didn't auto-tune that voice uh but <laughs> they but they um he happens upon her and she pretty much seduces him uh right then and there yeah and then and then he's kind of getting into Laura Dern a little bit too at that point. Then he goes back and just, they just full on do it uh, after he hits her. Yes. Um, and, and then he takes Laura Dern to a dance and then. Um, it's important to note that um, while hiding in the closet oh. on the first meeting, um, he watches yeah. as Frank beats her. And then there's yeah. another scene that plays out. And yeah. this was the scene when watching it, I was like, what the hell have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> I was like, oh, Because yeah. it's like <laughs> full on assault that happens for a very long time yeah. in front of the camera. Yeah. Between the car ride and the, uh, and the apartment and the car ride was just absolutely nuts. Yes. So, so, so during that time when Kyle McLaughlin is in the closet, we find out that Frank is one weird dude oh, yeah. and, and he's, he's, he's very controlling. And yet he's also um, really just kind of a mealy mouthed little 
jerk too. I mean, he, he mm -hmm. wants stuff, but he can't really ask for it. It doesn't look like he can actually, um, actually have actual sex. It looks like everything is done just by violence mm -hmm. and, and he's always sucking on his oxygen and, taking drugs and stuff like that so mm -hmm. he goes and there's that the, with Isabella. the shoving the blue velvet in his mouth that that yeah, keeps happening yeah, he likes that yeah <laughs> yeah because she and wears a blue a velvet few... robe congrats we've made it yeah. to the movie title portion of the show <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yay that's the title <laughs> yeah but um and then uh, i think it it's uh it's one of the times where kyle is that after he and isabella rossellini just made love and then uh frank and his crew show up is it the the or, neighbor scene no, it's a second where they're yeah. like hey neighbor how are you neighbor yeah, yeah that's that's <laughs> yeah. right after that yep because he's yeah, he's so leaving that... and frank's at the door yeah and at that point, we pretty much know Frank is uh, Frank and his gang are the bad guys. Yeah. Um, if, <laughs> if you if we didn't, didn't already know before, if we didn't before. <laughs> yeah. And so they decide they're going to take uh, Kyle Jeffrey on a ride with Isabella Rossellini, and um, they go to the apartment first, and the uh, apartment where her child is being held and, by a man uh, named Eddie. Right? Is that his name? Yeah, and Eddie yeah. is my uh, favorite ben, character it? in the whole movie. He really <laughs> stole so the show for me. So suave. He was so suave. This um, guy, <laughs> played by Dean Stockwell, who uh, later on went to do what was that show with um, the guy who went back in time? Mm. It'll, it'll come. It's to happened me. so anyway, many it, times. Doctor Who, Quantum Leap. I think it was like no, it wasn't Doctor Who. It was it was like a '90s show. Um, but anyway, he he went on to play a very normal person, and um, it's a he, he plays this, a very rocky Rocky Horror esque character, yeah. like yeah. full face and makeup and he and sings and. Yeah, he sings into a shop light, and everybody really likes that. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually karaoke's into a shop light, but yeah, he's got got the light and he's singing into it. But that whole that whole cast of characters is just odd you got a guy dancing with a snake you got uh you got isabella rossellini and the kid doesn't even know her anymore mm -hmm. you got um all these women that just seem to be like babysitters that don't talk they're all they, mother-like they figures they all look very yeah. like maternal yeah. like not sexy yeah. they're just like they're like grandmothers is what they kind yeah. of look like yeah definitely right then they go on the big ride and they kick the crap out of Kyle Jeffrey and leave him uh, just sitting there. And when he wakes up, he looks like he's in a lot better shape than when he originally fell down. I'll have to say that he, <laughs> he doesn't look like he got punched as many times as he did. And Frank kisses um, and him then, on the mouth like eight or nine times, yeah. which is something that happens. He oh, puts yeah. on lipstick and says, I have to get pretty, 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 pretty. And then like makes yeah. out with Kyle McLaughlin and it's bad. <laughs> yeah. I just watched this today and I forgot yeah. that part. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm blocking it out. I would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this all, I, I mean, really, the plot culminates in uh, uh, Kyle, you know, chasing after Frank and then getting Laura Dern, who's the chief of police's uh, dad, involved. And uh, Frank turns out to be two people. He's dressed up as another guy that Kyle took mm -hmm. pictures of. One of the cops. That, the well-dressed uh, man. Laura Dern's dad works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, though he's a well-dressed man. with the. He kind of looks like... Uh, um, 
What's his name from Schitt's Creek? Uh, um, D- Dan Levy. Yeah, uh, actually Eugene. Eugene yeah. Levy. Yeah, I thought yeah. he kind of looked like yeah. uh, Andy Kaufman's alter ego. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. But basically, I mean, it all. I mean, there's a big gunfight, um, and they're not even going after the right, right guy because Frank's back going to Isabella Rossellini's mm-hmm. apartment, and um, Kyle McLaughlin is again hiding in the closet after saying that he was in the bedroom because he knew that Frank had a police radio in his car. Yeah. 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 And so, and this whole time Frank's looking this whole time, Kyle McLaughlin's trying to save Rosalina that like, that's his whole plot is like, I need the Mm -hmm. cops to Mm -hmm. save this woman and rescue uh, the husband and the the son from the closet. Like that's his Mm -hmm. big, like motivation. Yeah. I don't think the husband made nope. it, but uh, I know he didn't. We yeah. we see his dead body. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the funny thing is, is uh, when he's so the, the pretty much one of the final scenes is he's waiting in the closet for Frank to come up and Frank's shooting all over the place uh, thinking he's going to hit him. And then Frank notices he's probably in the closet. He opens the door. Kyle's got a 38 revolver and shoots mm-hmm. him in the head. One of the one of the most graphic headshots I've ever seen because the bullet goes in the front and you never you you, you usually never see what goes on in the back you of the head. To, trust me. <laughs> um, sometimes you'll see blood on the wall uh, behind it, but this showed the head mushrooming mm-hmm. out. Uh, because the bullet came out. I've never seen anything mm-hmm. like that <laughs> since this movie. And then it just goes into the end, which is actually fairly normal. Um, what I really dug about this movie, this is the first time I had ever seen anything David Lynch, and I'm I'm pretty weird. I like old horror movies and stuff like that. Um, but this was really shocking for 1986. Oh, yeah. I oh, yeah. mean, <laughs> it's shocking for was... 2021. What are you talking about? We're talking yeah. like <laughs> at the time people stuck their nose up at Heather's, which was about like teen suicide, and you watch a guy blow mm-hmm. himself up, but you really don't watch it. You just know it happens. And people were like, oh, this yeah. is so scandalous. And then David Lynch is like, I'm sorry. Did you want to see a woman get sexually assaulted and a guy get his head blown off? Because I made that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. And I just, what, what he does, what David Lynch does, and he does this with everything, is he treads on the edge of normal just long enough that what he throws at you that is totally sick and twisted just snaps mm-hmm. you. It just snaps your neck. You're like, WTF, yeah. baby. I, I don't know what's going on. And then he goes back into yeah. it, a little bit normal, a little bit okay, and then bam, he hits you again. And that he seems to have a rhythm with mm-hmm. that. And almost everything he does seems to have that. I mean, there's normal conversation, you know, um, uh, Kyle and Laura Dern are just having a real nice conversation at the coffee shop diner and um, nothing really scandalous goes on there. And then, you know, it goes on to him finding Isabella Rossellini and, um, you know, she just wants to get hit. Um, And... (laughs) And it's just, it's just so, it's so bizarre and you really get sucked into it. It's one of those movies when you're watching it, you don't like, um, 
want to do anything mm-hmm. else. You don't want to mm-hmm. like you're you're so sucked into it that you're just totally focused on it. And the other thing I noticed because I haven't so 1990s, so I haven't seen it for 30 some years. Um, it holds oh, yeah. up. It, mm-hmm. it, it it I mean it doesn't it, it doesn't feel dated at all. Any anything that you any anything yeah. that you would think would be like dated just comes across as like part of the surrealism of the movie. And it probably yeah, because it probably has something to do with the fact that it was a movie from the 80s that was set in the 1950s. Like mm-hmm. that probably helps yeah. with the fact that it's timeless because it wasn't yeah. set in the time it was made. And the automobiles, if you look at the automobiles, they are from that ambulances from the 60s. Mm-hmm. All the way up through the late seventies, and are actually the mid seventies. But the boombox that uh, Harry Dean Stanton is using to sing with is from the eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's from eighty six. So it's really weird how he mixed all that stuff up. And I, I, I know it was intentional because he's very meticulous about what he does and what he puts out there. And it's it's weird. You don't know what year it is. Yeah. You, you absolutely don't know. Yeah. I just kind of figured that was so, more chalked up to the fact that like everything from the 80s didn't just pop into existence like right at 1980, right? You had stuff from the 60s and 70s and 50s still laying around at very least. Yeah, but not ambulances. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't alive That's back true. then. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> you tell so me. <laughs> I, watched, uh, I watched an interview with David Lynch that really opened this movie up for me. It was like that that smell of fine wine or like dripping water in bourbon where you're like, here are all the tastes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was the the movie is a dream. David Lynch says he says um, it is a dream I once had and I gripped on too hard enough that I was able to make it into a movie. He said it basically uh-huh. worked out that I dreamt it and then I made it. So yeah. there are things in it that only make sense in dreams. And it, there's a uh-huh. there's a point to that, like the fact that um, uh, Kyle, the the girl from the high school who Kyle is courting around when she is first introduced, she comes sle- sleeking out of the shadows and knows. Yeah. Uh, about she knows Kyle's name. She knows where Kyle lives. She knows Kyle's house and like and its directions <laughs> from um, the apartment that they're going to be staking out. She knows all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's not questioned just like how in a dream, if information is presented to you, you don't go, how did you get that information? Or like, how do you know that? You're just like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. And you, <laughs> yeah. you don't question it. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> another example of that is um, when they're all hanging out at Eddie's apartment. Um, if you, if you remember, they didn't exit Eddie's apartment, they were there and then they weren't. Yeah, then they were in the car. Then they yeah. were in the car. Yeah. And it's it's that yeah. moment in a dream where you're thinking about going somewhere and then you're already there and your brain just makes the yeah. connection where you're like, oh, I must have just like dozed off during the part where we got to the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but those choices that yeah. he made, like you said, were very intentional. And it was to set the standard of you're in a dream right now. You're going to have to deal with mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. watch as the movie plays out in this dream. Hmm. Yeah. And the and the way it goes out with uh, with it uh, the um, close up on Kyle McLaughlin's ear mm-hmm. and and fades out that kind of that kind of sets it up at the end. Okay, maybe this was a dream. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, another interesting thing about that is the adventure starts with um, 
a really long shot that zooms in to the uh, decapitated ear that's rotting. Yeah. It zooms in to it to the point where it goes to black because it gets so close inside yeah. of the ear. That's the beginning bookend. The end bookend is coming back out of an ear, but it's Kyle MacLachlan's and it's like pristine and beautiful and alive. But when you go in, mm. it's uh, it's rotting and gross and dark. Mm. But but that bookends the entire story is going into yeah. into the mind yeah. and then coming back out of it almost like David Lynch was like, here's my <laughs> sick and twisted mind. But on the outside, yeah. it's just a normal year. <laughs> I was thinking of Jimmy Neutron. <laughs> yeah. but, it's, but it's David, David Lynch. Lynch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was just really taken in by it. Once again, the the fact that they they could tread on the line of normalcy and then just pull you away from it, except for when Frank was there. I mean, when when Frank was uh, Dennis Hopper, as Frank was in the frame, yeah. you know something nutty was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently, there was some um, there was some controversy because uh, David Lynch was nominated for an Oscar for that film, but uh, Dennis Hopper, I don't believe, was nominated for a best supporting role. Um, and he, a lot of people thought that he deserved it, uh, for, for that role. Um, even though I don't think he was playing, I, I think, I think he was just being Dennis Hopper right. cause I don't think, I don't think he got clean until the nineties. So yeah. So yeah, I, I think he was just being good old Dennis Hopper and, um, putting lipstick on him and uh, Kyle and just having some fun. Yeah. His, his role in the movie it's it didn't have to be scripted if it was scripted, which I feel uh, was probably one of the reasons why David Lynch was like, we don't we don't need Dennis Hopper um, was because <laughs> yeah. he he was so meticulous in his lines that he wrote and what he wanted. Um, I think back to that first scene we have with the uh, investigator uh, where Kyle uh-huh. is like in the room with the investigator It was a really long shot where the investigator did not break eye contact. He did not blink. He did not look away. He didn't Mm. file paperwork. His attention was fully on Kyle, and Mm. it did not break off of Kyle the entire time to the the point where I was like, this is weird that he's just staring him down. And it's like line after line after line, but the point that I'm getting to is I think he's so meticulous in his writing that if anything was improv, he'd be like, take that out. That can't be in here. Yeah. And I really wondered about that because I, I can see everything being scripted except for Dennis Hopper's stuff. I, you know, and, but I know David Lynch is very in control of his scripts mm-hmm. and very in control of his show. So, you know, obviously he, he would have kept Dennis Hopper in line, but man, it was just so Dennis Hopper. Yeah. I, I, I felt like I was just seeing him on a normal day. <laughs> a yeah. normal day. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so i want to bring up another point um and it so i'm going to ask a a general question i want to see what you guys uh have an answer to it's a little mini game so (laughs) if i if i ask you the question i want to get all of your answers and i hope they're not the same um but i want to end on scott because scott might know the actual answer um if i were to ask you the question what do you think david lynch's favorite movie is not of his, but just in general. If you had to take a stab in the dark, what movie would you assign to David Lynch to be like, this is probably his favorite movie? Hmm. I want to say something by like uh, 
Albert Hitchcock, like the birds okay. or uh, Psycho. And this, I think that he has a lot of that in in his yeah. in his movies. Yeah, just because I mean, there there's obviously gruesome parts of it, and there's the part where like inside the mind of a psycho, the whole scene with the the shower and the stabbing, like that's iconic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think those came out in the '60s too, so they predated. He might have watched them. Who knows? That's my answer. I'll lock it in. I'll lock it in. Michael, what do you think? (laughs) I really have no idea. (laughs) Like, like I. That's fair. I can't think of anything. Like, I can see a little bit of, like, the psycho, like, influence in there. But, like, anything else is so unique to David Lynch Mm. that, Mm -hmm. like, for me, I don't think of, like, other movies when I think of David Lynch. I think of, like, uh, like, TV shows and soap operas and. Uh, like things of that nature that he like kind of uses to frame his absurdity, uh, mm. but nothing else that I can really think of. Okay, it's kind of hard, to. Scott. What do you What do you think? Now I don't know. Okay, um, I I did not look this up, and I I haven't checked that out. But I would say Wizard of Oz. Ooh, that's the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> no I- shit. Scout's honor. I didn't. I didn't. No shit. His favorite movie. He's gone on record and saying that it is Wizard of Oz. It's a good film, I guess. (laughs) So here's something that I love doing with most art forms. And if you listen to any episode of the podcast that they leave me in charge of, you'll know that the first thing I do when writing about a specific thing is I look to its creator and I try to look at the piece of art through the lens of the creator. Mm. So Mm -hmm. with this frame of his favorite movie is Wizard of Oz and you look at Blue Velvet, you start to kind of put together pieces of maybe what was going through his mind. Um, Of course, there is the dream sequence of like, oh, it was all a dream. Oh, it's not real. Oh, it's Mm -hmm. fantasy. Oh, I'm still in Kansas. But more (laughs) importantly... Something about Wizard of Oz that's um, prominent is the duality of the characters. Yeah. Every character that she meets in the Wizard of Oz or in, in the land of Oz uh, is an actual character back in um, Kansas. And there are, there are connections to each of them. The Wicked Witch is the one who's coming to take her dog and like so on and so forth. Um, mm. this, this movie, in my opinion, plays with that too. Um, Every character in the bright, sunshiny overworld, the the green grass, white picket fence, um, all of those characters have their equal parts in the dark, grungy, bug-filled underneath. So mm-hmm. uh, the uh, detective's daughter, her opposite, of course, is the lounge room singer. Mm-hmm. Is in blue mm-hmm. velvet, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And you can draw a connection to Frank immediately with jeffrey they're two separate sides of the coin so the question is what happens when they get too close what happens when you put two magnets together Mm. like they they if they aren't in the same like magnet sphere they separate and explode with (laughs) all this energy man paul abdul said it right (laughs) right but that being said any scene where you see if you were to split this down the middle and put each character with their reflective character, any scene you see two characters who are supposed to be reflections of each other meet 
there is a mental breakdown that happens with those characters. Mm. Anytime that Frank meets Jeffrey, he loses his goddamn mind. And might I remind you when the, I don't know their exact names, but when the lounge singer shows up to the house of the girl from high school, the girl from high school has an entire breakdown and it makes sense with the plot, but also that's her polar opposite. This is the goody girl who you have a future with, who you're in love with, Jeffrey, But on the other side, on the dark and gritty underworld that you've found yourself in, where maybe you don't belong, this is your Oz. This is the dark, mysterious girl who you have no future with, but are also very attracted to. They're both similar. What so looking through it like that, what does what does Frank see in the lounge singer that like Jeffrey sees in the high school girl, you know? Hmm. So I, I think there was a lot of that into writing this movie. Yeah, and I felt like, um, first off, I f- felt like uh, Kyle was actually attracted to her, where uh, Frank was, it was more like a mother figure, mm-hmm. um, almost. Um, another thing, though, that you reminded me of, there's a scene where Isabella Rosalina had been beat up, probably by Frank, and she's naked, Um outside of uh jeffrey's house Mm -hmm. and um and uh they no outside of um um uh what's her name dern's house or laura dern and 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 they bring her in this is the weirdness of how people react they bring her in only the mom's home Mm -hmm. And uh, there she is naked and and Laura Dern says, call an ambulance. And her mom looks at Isabella Rossellini and looks at uh, Kyle and she's like, all right. She doesn't she doesn't freak out at all. It's like, okay, this this type of stuff happens all the it's time. It's that dream I, state again. Yeah. It's like when you're yeah. in your when you're in the dream and someone's like, This is happening, we should do something. Like, and yeah. everyone's just like, yeah. We should, you're right. Yeah. Good <laughs> Why point. are you yeah. freaking out? What's your problem? And and how fast did <laughs> yeah. that ambulance show up? Within minutes, like they were down the street. Oh yeah. Again, it's yeah. it's that this is a dream. Mm-hmm. I just chalked so that, that up to the kind of, And then she's like, I'll, I'll and then she's like, I'll get her a coat. It's like yeah. I mean, and she's no like, emotion. oh, here we are again. I'll get her a coat. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. Jeez. But kind of going back to the lens of duality that we're talking about, because um, you mentioned um, the the he was actually attracted to um, to Laura Dern's character, where Frank was uh, more kind of self-obsessed and everything. I think it's important to note that um, there was opposite in that as well, because uh, Frank needed the lounge singer, much like Laura Dern's character uh, needed Jeffrey. It was swapped. Yeah. So in the relationship mm-hmm. that Jeffrey was in, um, Laura Dern desperately wanted the attention and the affection of Jeffrey, even though he was giving it to someone else. Now, that was happening in the land of Oz or the dark side as well. But it was the opposite mm-hmm. because um, the the lounge singer was giving her attention to Jeffrey. And because of that, the male in the relationship was fighting to gain that attention back. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think it even goes as far to say that um, there is a duality between uh, Rosalina's husband and Laura Dern's boyfriend, because both Frank, yeah. both Frank and Jeffrey walked into relationships that were already pre-established and broke them up, yeah. either through force yeah. or just by existing. Hmm. Yeah. 
so that's the story that we're looking at is what happens when these two worlds collide in an apocalyptic way. <laughs> what happens to the characters and who makes it out and who doesn't? Because yeah. there's this thing with time travel that I think Futurama dealt with best, but it's like if there are two of the same person in the same universe, they can't both coexist. And you watch as one of the universes gets completely destroyed. That's what Blue Velvet is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And setting this up, I it's funny because I am not much of a consumer of media. Okay. I I don't I don't watch a whole bunch of TV. I don't watch a lot of movies. I, I, I'm I, I read a lot more than I do anything. But um, that movie, you know, I think of the movies that I remember from either my childhood or growing up, you know, uh, Wizard of Oz is one of them. Cool Hand Luke is one of them. Blue Velvet's one of mm -hmm. them. Apocalypse Now. The, all those movies, um, you know, uh, the original Frankenstein series, uh, all that stuff, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, all that stuff really sticks with me. And um, some of it is, and the most of it is pretty weird stuff. Even, even cool hand Luke has some weird stuff. Oh, yeah. to it. And, uh, and, um, it's, it, it confirms the fact that I'm weird, but also, <laughs> I mean, it, it's so funny. I, I don't know if any of you guys have watched any of twin peaks, but this movie is twin oh, peaks. Yeah. It's exactly the same way he directed and wrote Twin Peaks. It's almost like he took this movie and just expanded it and put a few different characters in, and some of the same mm -hmm. characters. One of the, one of uh, Frank's henchmen was Jack Nance, who played in Twin Peaks. He was uh, uh, Pete Martell in Twin Peaks. Um, so it's it's really funny because Twin Peaks was very much like that. It 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 would. Uh, teeter on the edge of normalcy mm -hmm. for a few minutes and then all of a sudden everything would just freak oh, yeah. out and get really weird and uh kyle mclaughlin i you know i i look at how much he liked heineken's and <laughs> that was mentioned uh, so many times oh, yeah <laughs> for no reason even yeah. when they were like they were like what kind of beer you yeah. like a neighbor and like where the rest of us would be like uh whatever's fine he was like i like heineken yeah. and he's like heineken you heineken Pags <laughs> blue, blue ribbon, ribbon. <laughs> yeah, everything blue with and, that guy. He loves everything blue. Yeah, and then in uh, Twin Peaks, it's coffee. He was absolutely, absolutely obsessed with coffee. So it's <laughs> it's kind of funny. If you watch those and you watch at least the first season of T Twin Peaks, you're like, oh, my God, this is the same stuff. Mm -hmm. It's 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 just been rewritten for different <laughs> people. Man, thinking thinking back on that Heineken scene, not not the one where he was asking for Heineken. It was the one where he was uh -huh. like they were at they were doing their investigation. It's the first time that they're at that the the slowdown. I think is what it's called, mm -hmm. which has its own duality uh, with the the diner that the kids are eating in. Mm -hmm. One's painted red, one's painted blue, which is an ongoing theme in this movie is the difference between red uh -huh. and blue. Oh, damn. But, um, 
Oh yeah, no, it goes deep. I I can I can put on my tinfoil hat all day with this thing, but <laughs> but uh, the first time they're at the lounge place, he's like, "Ooh, I love the cold, refreshing drink of a Heineken," and he like pushes the label out, and it's like, "Is this a Heineken <laughs> yeah. commercial? Is Why is this so out of here? place? It's so weird. <laughs> it really did feel like Heineken had their hand in in David Lynch's pocket for this, but I don't think it was for any other reason than David Lynch wrote it in." Yeah, Anakin's okay. Yeah. Which, let's, be, let's be honest. I well, I don't know. It's if you go back to the whole dream theory. Like for me, like when I have dreams, there sometimes is like a certain fixation that I'll have on like one thing mm-hmm. that allows me to like cling to like reality, and like mm-hmm. just the brand name Heineken could have been it. Yeah, oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I could see could that be. for sure. How about when Frank pulls him up to the bar that that they go to, and he says, "This is it," and the, the sign, sign in the yeah. window is this is it in red of course yeah and that is yeah. uh that's again back to the whole dream thing like you hear something and then yeah. it appears and you're like what oh well, it, it makes though? sense because what is, what is the it referencing what is just this the line this is it is like this it, is the like, this is just, the place but then the sign confirms like this is it this is the place this is the place it's so because because dreams can be very generic because everything everything else that's important is uh, heightened and everything that's unimportant is generic. Mm-hmm. So the talking about being in a dream state, this is it. Well, we're going to call the bar <laughs> this is it because the name of it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I'm, I'm rolling back on the whole. It starts with you entering an ear and ends with you exiting an ear. <laughs> In one ear and out the um, other, right? <laughs> well, yeah. it, it, it is the same ear, though. That's important. If you look at the structures of the ear, which is the most nerdy fucking thing we've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> um, if you look at the ears, it's they're both the same ear. So I don't think it's like an in one ear, out the other one thing. It's like a um, David Lynch is like, hey, just so you know, you're about to go into my mind. How do you get to my mind? Through my gross fucking Through ear. ear. Get in there. Yeah. Get in my get in my head. Yeah. And that's where the story happens. It almost leads you at the end when you exit out Kyle McLaughlin's ear, like the the nice, clean, healthy ear where you're like, did this actually happen or is this just a daydream that he had while sitting in this recliner thinking about what a more exciting life would be than living in the suburbs you know yeah hmm. and and Kyle McLaughlin's ear if that truly is his ear is kind of weird it's got like an extra little thing before the lobe. yeah mm-hmm. it's got a, a, a little cavernous thing that's bigger than most people's it, it's actually an odd shape I remember staring at it when they were zooming out and being like what am I looking at <laughs> what is this <laughs> Yeah. I still I just I didn't know it was an ear until I saw hair and I was like, oh, OK, it's an ear. I get it yeah. now. Yeah. So. So I felt like this movie was it, it was odd and disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it it didn't leave me with a bad feeling afterwards. It didn't make it, it didn't make me. You know how some movies just make you feel kind of sick inside mm-hmm. um, and and. Like saw yeah. something like saw it just it just feels like violence for no reason and stuff like that. You know, I I left the movie thinking eh, it was a it was a really really good movie and I don't even though bad stuff happened in it I don't feel bad as a person for watching. Yeah, it. 
And and that's the way I am with almost everything David Lynch now. It's it's weird. It's so weird. But I don't. And even though weird stuff that I would never do happens, I don't feel like a bad person for watching. Yeah, yeah. We it's, were it's kind we of were weird. texting about it. Yeah, it's kind of weird we, to the point where it's off putting to a lot of people, like the generic you know audience. Take me for example. Yeah. I'm pretty. I'm a pretty vanilla type of guy. And when I got done with the movie, he goes to bed at 9:30. He wakes up at 8 a.m. every yep, day. Doesn't matter. The chickens, it's Saturday, Sunday, cows, it doesn't matter. That kind of stuff. Go to church every day. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so when I got done with the movie, I texted Alex. I was like, "That was rough." <laughs> That's all I he said. said. He said, "Rough. Rough is a good word for it." I remember after I watched, it, I said, "I." I'm sorry, I did it's, that. It's to okay. You, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I watched I watched it and I was like, hey, I just watched Blue Velvet. And he was like, oh, did you watch it alone? And I was like, yep, watched it by myself. And he was like, should, because he hadn't watched it yet. He's like, should I watch it naked? I said, wear extra clothes. You should wear more layers. You do not want to walk into this exposed. I'm um, glad I did. Yeah. Damn. Because, I mean, it's, it's just I think, rough. Uh, A lot of things about it are rough yeah. because it's not like your typical... To compare this to like a Marvel movie or something like that, like all the dialogue, it, it flows. It, it has a flow to it. You know, you have the hero, the villain, they're talking. It's very believable. You can kind of suspend your disbelief for a minute. Mm -hmm. This movie, I constantly had this dialogue in the back of my head that was like, that doesn't seem like good acting. And I don't know acting. I'm not a film critic or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I actually think that because he was going with the, the 40s noir type thing, if you go back to a 40s noir black and white movie, um, they don't act very well. <laughs> they act like mm -hmm. it's in the 40s. He wanted them. I think he asked them to tone wow. it down mm -hmm. um, and say, don't act so good. I, I I honestly think that because Laura Dern mm -hmm. is a great actress and, you know, she's she's got the pedigree in her family. And, uh, you know, she was very wooden, um, very um, um, it, it was almost like yeah. soap yeah. opera. -like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so some of the dialogue. And I think he well, it plays that. into the whole dichotomy of like lull you into a sense of like normalcy to just like slap you in the face with crazy David Lynchness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it yeah. was completely visual. Yeah. All of the shocking shit that was happening. Yeah. It wasn't shit people were saying. It was what you were watching them do as they were like delivering these like flat faced, respectful lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I think I loved that's Eddie so that's much. That's the title for yeah. this. Uh, I think Michael has a title for this. Total David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally wicked. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that a lot. This is Blue Velvet. Total David Lynchness. <laughs> Uh, even talking about it now yeah. it's like i'm having <laughs> like flashbacks to last night where i was just i don't know that film took something out of me when i got done <laughs> i was like i couldn't do anything the rest of the night so that that means you and i are two very yeah. different people because i i felt pretty good afterwards so, <laughs> it's not a film uh, for everyone i'll say that so, much you know yeah so so let's let let's let me ask this of everyone um and i'll start with nick after seeing that would you want to watch anything else by david lynch <sighs> In short, no. It's okay to say, yeah. But, it's okay to say no. But yeah. if the premise is good enough, like it's not, because I'm not into crime movies and like whodunit type mm -hmm. of stuff. But if the premise was right and the price was right, then, I, then I'd watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. How about you, uh, I mean, I I had already seen like some of Twin Peaks. And so like I knew going into this what David Lynch was like. And like for me, yeah, it's like right up in that like yeah. 
Did you see the similarities oh, yeah. uh, in, in 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 the way he cross he you know he just teeters that edge and for sure and brings weirdness for sure. in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, Alex? Um, I think I'm too deep now. I have this <laughs> this Sunken weird cost this fallacy. weird obsession with trying to figure everything out and make it make sense to me. And I think David Lynch yeah. openly tries to avoid people oh, yeah. doing that. But I'm I'm on yes. I'm on the case now. I'm my own Jeffrey. Yeah. Is what's happened. <laughs> I'm gonna go deep into the into the mud and the dirt to try to figure it out. Detective Steve was on the case. <laughs> so yeah, I'd I'd watch more of it just to figure David Lynch out more. Yeah, I would recommend going the Twin Peaks route for, for oh, yeah. your next yeah. one. And uh, I mean, there's there there's some great stuff in there. Mulholland Drive, and there's one with uh, Nick Cage and Laura Dern that's great. Um, I can't remember the name of it. National uh, Treasure. Also, no, nope. not that one. Uh, no, yeah, no, no. David Lynch didn't direct that. If he would have, it would have been but so yeah, much really- better. <laughs> it would have been so yeah. cool. Yeah. It would have been real cool if yeah. he did. Benjamin Franklin gets shot in the face. And just <laughs> yeah. Benjamin Franklin so. is the villain at the end. <laughs> I'm on the hundred dollar bill. Deal with it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, I do believe David Lynch. You you either like mm-hmm. him or you don't like him, and you 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 can really get sucked in. I feel like Alex probably just got sucked in, and he's going to be a student of David Lynch and never ever understand it because I don't think no. Lynch even understands it. <laughs> I don't but, know. Uh, yeah, he's he he <laughs> subconsciously. Yeah. Once I I think once yeah. I crack that egg, there's no coming back from it. Though I think yeah. like at that point, I'm yeah. wandering the streets with my underwear on my head and like <laughs> yelling nonsensical words to the clouds, Stilling, singing blue velvet. You know? and- yeah, <laughs> right. So if you're gonna go in deep, will you pledge to tell me what you see and 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 what you think about it? I will. It? I will let you know the minute okay. David Lynch crosses okay. my eyes again. <laughs> Do you solemnly right. swear? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Well, Scott, you brought so much to the table for us, yeah. and it was it was a delight to take on this challenge that you ushered, um, and to talk about it with you. Uh, and we thank you for coming on our podcast. It has been a I had a blast. Um, before we go to our promotional segment, I want to give it to you, Scott. If there's anything that you want to promote outright, just send people to your social medias. Please go ahead. Yeah, just look up behind the bits on everything. I'm thebtbpc.com for my website because somebody stole behind the bits and all my social media, you can get to it from there. But uh, And also on Twitter, I am btbpc. So just just find me there. Behind the bits is easy to find. Just type it in on any podcast app and you can listen to it. The BTB Internet Talk Show is a little bit different. It's only on Twitch and it's on the Drinks, Jokes, and Story storytelling channel Mm -hmm. so type in drinks jokes letter n storytelling and follow them because they have a lot of great shows mine isn't one of them (laughs) but they have a lot of great shows with a lot of great comedians um uh, a buddy of mine just uh interviewed mike farrell um who was bj honeycutt on mash um uh, interviewed him yesterday. Wow. And Loretta Swick called in, um, who was hot lips on mash. So that's the type of stuff that they've got going on. And then they let me play there too. So <laughs> a really great channel. Um, they've got stuff seven days a week and he keeps adding new stuff. Tom, the guy that runs the channel mm-hmm. adds new stuff all the time. Um, but the BTB internet talk show, if you want to turn your brain off and think about Dean Martin <laughs> and have awkward silences, it's a great show to watch. Yeah. We miss old Deanie. He was fun. 
fun. Yeah. He was fun on. Uh, yeah. Hey. And, and you guys can go again to our YouTube channel if you want to catch our appearance. Oh, oh my God. It's Dean Martin. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> what? When did you get that, here? Uh, I watch. I, I watch that. Uh, God damn blue velvet movie with Scott and uh, it, it, it ain't nothing like Matt Helm. I'll tell you uh, that. True, true that. It, 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 way too much nudity. I mean, come on, <laughs> leave a little bit to the imagination. Uh, I'm Dean Martin. <laughs> Dean, do you, Dean, do you have anything to promote? Have you been working on anything new, or is it just the old stuff? I've been working on getting some goddamn meat. Scott doesn't have any meat in the house. And these chickpeas, chickpeas and quinoa. I, I'm sick of it. And I know if I go to Burger King, I'm going to get recognized and people are going to want my autograph and stuff and say, hey, I thought you were dead. No, I wasn't. I'm not dead. I was cryogenically frozen. And that's why I'm living with Scott because all my money's gone. And I show up on the BTB Internet talk show all the time. Yeah. All the time, because that's the only thing that's fun for me. Yeah, for sure. See, see how much, see how much I look like I used to. <laughs> see, see the only thing missing is the hair. I think. Mm. Other yeah, than my that, my rosacea is killing me. <laughs> yeah. So, a uh, couple of things before we go on our on our promotional break. Um, check out the scenesnobs.com. Uh, that's our network. We, uh, we signed with them at the beginning of this year, and it has been all uphill ever since. Uh, they're the reason that we've been nominated for all these awards and mm -hmm. um, the reason we've met so many amazing people, Scott included. So uh, check them out. Give them some love. Um, check out the Snobby Awards that's happening April 25th on uh, all s the Scene Snob platforms. So if you've watched our live show, you can check out the award show, too. It's going to be a blast. Uh, if they need us to make an appearance, I will wear a full uh, three-piece suit because, <laughs> like <to see laughs> because that. I will. I'll do it. Or I'll wear tweed if that's what you want. I'll do whatever you say. I'll clap like a monkey and catch food in my mouth. Whatever you want. I'm there. I got you. So go check that stuff out. Um, other than that, let's throw it over to our video promotions and we get back. Uh, Michael, I believe you have a quick this for us. Yeah, mm -hmm. I do. Thank you. All righty. So we'll be right back. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Bryant. What do Robin Hood, Vlad the Impaler, and Mothman have in common? IDK, what? Well, they're all topics on our podcast, Mystery, where each week we discuss a new myth and the history behind it. That's Myth Story with an I-E. See you then. We love the folks over at Myth Story, but it does bother me that there's no S at the end of that or they didn't go with the Y. <laughs> I think that they would take that criticism like a champ. I just don't understand. And it, it freaks me out every time I see it. Scott, if, if you can get a video for us, man, we'll put you up there. We'll have you on every episode. We're looking for new ones anyway. These are these are running dry. <laughs> anytime. All right. Anytime you want to have me, I'm good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Michael. I'm throwing I'm throwing you a, a fastball here. Yep, yep. Knock it out of the park. Hey, funny you say that because 
I've been spending a lot of time this last like two weeks getting back into. Hold on, your timer's not oh, ready. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's gonna yeah, talk about right. baseball. I'm calling it right now. Shut up, shut up. We I'm only <laughs> we only give him five minutes. For those of you who haven't watched the show before, he only has five minutes, and he will be cut off abruptly as mm-hmm. the long hook thing. His ox cord. Um, the yeah, we, <laughs> we we're gonna pull the cord on him. Hey, go. All right, so. So I, I've been spending a lot of time this last like week or two. I've been getting back into the world, being reaccumulated with things. And uh, one of the things that I've had the pleasure of getting to do was I got invited to be a part of a small beer league like softball team. And mm. one of the things that I so I grew up playing baseball. Like that was one of the things that like my dad from like I, the time I was like could stand. He put a baseball bat in my hands and put, took me out to like a tee in the backyard to hit a baseball. And it was one of those things like I developed a really early love of the sport. Um, I loved uh, going to like Reds games because we all grew up in Cincinnati and going and watching people like Barry Larkin, Ken Griffey Jr. Go and play baseball to like the highest ability. And them reds looking good this year. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Surprisingly, yeah. Um and I had forgotten for a long time because like after you kind of stop playing baseball, just going and like watching the games, like going to the games can be fun, but if you just want to like tune in to the sport to go watch it on like ESPN or something or other, like it gets boring very quickly. Um it's just a very hard sport to just stay in tune with. Well, uh, over the last like few weeks or so, I found a YouTube channel called John Boy Media. Um, the thing that I really like about John Boy is that he makes baseball all about the people, like the players, the managers, the coaches, the umps, all of that. And that is where the true entertainment value of baseball is, is all of the little feuds that can happen, the relationships that have been established and just how interesting it can be and a lot of the times it ends up devolving into just like angry jock goes <laughs> and, and it's just like two cavemen just barking back and forth with each other of just like how much like they what they say was right and what you say is wrong and but doing so in like ways that only John boy can kind of like do because he his main shtick that he's really good at is lips uh lip reading And so he provides like essentially a live camera view, live video footage of the game and all of the mic'd up moments that we would we would never get because, you know, I don't know if you'll ever spend any time in a like high school dugout or on any sort of sports team. Lots of foul language that is not appropriate for television. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So one of the things that I love doing is tuning into John Boy and just seeing like, um, a really prominent guy that is like, cause all the only exposure we see of him is like through the media uh, and through this filtered persona is seeing him uh, just like real upstanding. But John boy comes in and you get to see everything. It's all just like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck that. No, I'm right. You're wrong. All of that for just, Hey, will you bleep all those out <laughs> for us, Nick? Uh, I don't get paid enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Um, and to kind of go along with John Boy, because that was what really sparked my my interest back into baseball and like being able to watch mm-hmm. it consistently. Um, along with that, I've been watching a lot of uh, Trevor Bauer's personal blog. So if you don't know who Trevor Bauer is, uh, he was one of the star pitchers for the Reds last year. 
Um, he mm-hmm. won the National League Cy Young Award, in which the Cy Young Award is basically saying you were the best pitcher in baseball. Um, so a guy who's playing at the highest of the high levels and the guy is just an absolute troll of a human being. Like He like gets <laughs> off on just like playing mental games with the other people uh, that he's going up against. So he'll do things like he will in the middle of like a big high stakes game. He'll pitch with one eye closed. Uh, or he'll tell the batter like what pitch is coming just to get into their head and play that mental game. Uh, and that he- reminds me of that MMA fighter who used to bring flowers to the people he oh, was going to yeah. fight. <laughs> <laughs> and he would like kiss him on the forehead um, but- and be like, I love you, man. Oh, yeah. But Trevor Bauer, <laughs> he has his own personal vlog where he outlines everything that is going on through his head all the way from the off season to spring training and then the actual games. And it's just so incredibly fascinating. Like you start off with John boy where you get a sense of what is actually happening in the games between the players. And then you get an actual player's perspective on everything. 15 seconds. And for me, it has made me fall back in love with the game. Something that I haven't felt about it since I was probably like 10 or 12. Yeah, it really is the the people of the sport that mm-hmm. that makes you stick around. Yeah, you hit uh, five minutes pretty much on the dot. So well done to you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Scott, we want to thank you again for coming on our show. We're going to go ahead and wrap up. Um, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, I guess if I continue my David Lynch travels, you'll have to come back on the show so that mm-hmm. I can yell more nonsense at you. That's that's going to have to be yeah. what we do. Yeah, and I I really appreciate how deep you dug into the whole David Lynch universe because I didn't even dig that deep, and I think Nick is uh, probably scared to <laughs> go any deeper. I'm good, and, and and Michael's all worried about baseball. So you know, it's just uh, you know, I I think I think this dude up here is probably as weird as I am, and. Eh, we're kind of hard to find yeah but we do make for great entertainment mm-hmm. that being said <laughs> yeah. uh, if there's anything out there kind of like uh what scott did and how scott got on the show if there's something out there that you think that we would find entertaining or you want to see us do an episode on um you can go ahead and shoot us your suggestions the easiest way is to go on our website it's uh, www.entertainthis.net scroll all the way down to the bottom of the homepage, and there's a little uh questionnaire that you could fill out there where you can send us a message uh and we check all of those and you can send us your suggestions there and if we like them we'll give you a shout out before the episode and we'll all take our time to uh, enjoy whatever media you'd sent us much like Blue Velvet uh, but there are other ways to get in contact with us along with the website uh, we have a Twitter we are entertain underscore this on Twitter our Instagram is entertain this podcast that's our username mm-hmm. you can find us on Facebook we are podcasts entertain this because somebody still entertain this podcast on Facebook which you know happens uh, or you can reach out to us on our YouTube channel entertain this any of those ways are great ways to get in contact with us as always we ask you to entertain us so we can entertain you and you can entertain this we'll see you guys next Friday See ya. Bye. Bye bye. bye. <laughs>This episode of Entertain This was written by Scott Curtis, with additional commentary from Nick Mustakangas, Michael Savoya, and Alex Steele. Our showrunner is Chloe Price. Our theme music is Rush Rumble by Aaron Spencer, with the interstitial music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening. <laughs>